Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Stapp here for the Fightful.com podcast for August 4th. I am joined by the one, the only, Vince Russo. Before I let Vince go on his diatribe of whatever he wants to talk about for a little bit, some of you may notice this is a members-only podcast. Our member section is absolutely free. Go register at Fightful.com. You'll get access to all of our podcasts, Exclusive articles from Vince Russo, Showdown Joe, Brandon Howard, exclusive info that that I get from behind the scenes in uh, UFC, Bellator, WWE, TNA, as well as our Wikipedia, True or False. That, that Those are up on our exclusive members only section as well. Absolutely free, no credit card required. Lots of fun stuff there. Vince, how you doing, my friend? What's going on, bro? Oh, you know, I understand you did a booking this past weekend with a friend of mine. Who? Uh, yeah, the, uh, uh, Crazy Legs. Crazy, Crazy Legs, she told me yeah, that you, you yeah, got Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six yeah. feet tall, that girl. Yeah, no, very uh, very nice girl, very attractive girl, very tall girl. Absolutely, man. They're going to make her stand like like Todd or Tom Phillips backstage. Have you seen how they make him stand? Uh-uh. Oh, they make him stand because, you know – People like Jericho and Neville and Owens aren't the tallest guys in the world. They make him stand with his legs spread all the way apart. Yeah. That way he appears shorter than them, which I think is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I remember that little trick when, when I was back in the day. What did you think of that? Well, yeah, you know, bro, whatever you had to do, bro, sometimes we, you know, we had to have guys stand on boxes, bro. So, you know, you know, the the, girl, the interviewers always took their shoes off. Sometimes they had to spread out a little bit. Sometimes somebody would stand on a box, you know. Somebody's going to roll an ankle, Vince. Yeah, cutting a, uh, doing an interview. Yeah. It's going to be funny when and, – and I like Tom Phillips, but his legs are just going to start sliding and he'll fall face first in the middle of an interview. What do you think about WWE this week? I didn't think there was. I mean, I thought SmackDown was a little better than last I'm, I'm, week. I'm, I'm, bro, I'm, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a 
big fan over SmackDown compared to Raw, bro. I don't, I don't, I mean, it's, it's night and day for me. It, it really is. And I even watched uh, SmackDown on DVR because I was working over there at Rocky Mountain Pro. I did not fast forward through much of it. I mean, bro, and listen, let's, let's be honest. The hour is a huge difference. I, I mean, yeah. that, that alone right there is a huge, huge difference. It makes, you know, SmackDown watchable. Uh, where, you know, bro, I still feel the same way about Raw. What did you think about the debuting American Alpha? Uh, ah, bro, I, th- what I didn't like was, I don't, wh- wh- why do you want to compare these guys to the Steiner brothers? You, you know, bro, didn't they go down that road with Ascension and have it absolutely backfire? I, I don't know why you would yeah. even – why? Just don't make the comparison. I mean, that's not that's not on them. That's on the announcers. Just don't make that comparison, you know? Oh, they get that a lot with the team angle thing with Shelton Benjamin and Charlie Haas as well. And a lot of people saying, oh, we need Kurt Angle to manage them. And they're like, no, we don't. We don't want that. We don't want to be them. We don't want to be uh, – exactly what yeah kurt angle was we want to be ourselves and they've they've reiterated that on on numerous and bro another thing that's a little disappointing to me is man you know when i was talking to guys like uh adam rose and sandow you know they basically said to me that you know once they started out at nxt or whatever and, and they came up that there was a position that that they were slated for and no matter what, they weren't going to go up the card. And I was like, you know, I mean, I, I got to take that with a grain of salt, bro, because it was never like that when I was there. You know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah, I mean, how true is that? But then I watched that match with the alpha males and I'm watching this and I'm saying like, at, at what point did we just decide that the vaudevillians were going to be jobbers? You know what I'm saying, bro? Like, seriously. And, and, like, to me, that's unfortunate because these guys go through NXT. They go through all this rigorous training. They go through all this prep. They finally appear on Raw. And, like, you know, three weeks in, okay, these are going to be the job guys. I I, I just don't think they really got a, a, a fair opportunity to get themselves over. I just – I would love to know how that works. And especially with the SmackDown side, their tag team division being the state that it's in, being very bare. I don't know why if if they're if they're gonna have somebody lose in two minutes, get a couple of local guys. They they don't need to have the vaude villains losing that quick when you might need them. And what happens if Gable gets hurt? What happens if Jordan gets hurt? Jimmy Uso's already hurt. Uh, Luke Harper's out. You don't have Harper and Rowan right now. That SmackDown tag division is bare, and I know they're they're adding tag titles. That's another thing I wanted to ask you about. They're adding tag titles and a women's title uh, to SmackDown, probably maybe later this month, next month. What do you think about that? I mean, that I'm, I'm cool with that, bro. I mean, you got you got to have something you're competing for, you know. So I mean, I totally understand that. I mean, I don't have an issue with that, but yeah, I mean, bro. Worst case scenario, give the give the guys their heat back after the match, you know, to to, to keep it going. But I would just love to know, like, what, like, what did these guys do that three weeks in, you, you know, they're okay. These are the job guys, and they're not going anywhere. I just, I God, I think that's unfortunate, bro. Because you know what, man, if if that's the way it's going to be, there are going to be some diamonds in the rough out there that you're just going to miss. You know, we talk about, and and I thought SmackDown was better than Raw this week. I thought Raw was better last week, but SmackDown that that two hours. 
man, that two hours really, really helps. Um, one thing that we've talked about a lot, Vince, is matches having stakes to them. And on a two-hour show, really a one-and-a-half-hour show if you DVR it, SmackDown having their tag titles, their women's title, uh, the Intercontinental title, and the World Championship, much more of that program will have stakes as opposed to Raw, which has three hours and probably the same number of titles. Do you think that's an important aspect of, of oh, this Oh, absolutely. And, bro, not only does it have stakes, but you're getting, like, surprise finishes that, like, you would never get on Raw. Like, bro, I, I loved it, man. I thought it was tremendous, like, when uh, Baron Corbin dropped The Miz. You, you're not going to see stuff like that on Raw, bro. You're just not. And there were a couple of instances like that throughout the night. I mean, and, and you don't – you know, Raw is predictable. Predictable. They don't. They they never go out of bounds. Everything is done within the lines, and they did a lot of stuff like that on SmackDown that I really enjoyed. I got to say that John Cena promo was one of the best I've ever seen from him. Yeah. Well, bro, that not not, not not only that, I thought freaking Ambrose and Ziggler was tremendous, bro. You you back that up against Rollins and and Baylor. I mean, come on, bro. It it, it, it was night and day. What did you make of the comments in which they kind of turned into they they turned into an additional storyline on the the Talking Smack show, which aired afterwards, where John Cena said that AJ Styles has proven that if he doesn't make it as a wrestler in the WWE, that he can, he will just pack it up and go elsewhere. Daniel Bryan kind of angled that into his own thing, saying, "Well, that's easy for John Cena to say. John Cena's never going to get fired. AJ Styles might get fired, like I've been fired." Do you like that? You know, they're they're advancing storylines even on a post show like that, where maybe no, nobody will see it. Yeah, no, I do like that, bro. Because what I really liked about SmackDown is they picked it up right where Raw left off, and, and they rarely, rarely, rarely do that. But I love the fact that the continuity, you know, based on what Lesnar did at the end of Raw, they're preparing for him to show up at SmackDown. I really, really like that because, bro, they they don't normally do that. What was your favorite thing between Raw and SmackDown this week that you sat back and really enjoyed? Uh, oh, God, bro. Raw, I would really have to – God, bro. Oof, I would I, – I would, I, bro, I, I honestly cannot sit here and say I really enjoyed something on Raw. I, I just can't. I mean, I can't. SmackDown, I really, really, really enjoyed uh, Ambrose and Ziggler. I'll tell you why, bro. It's, it's real simple. I'm a stickler for stay true to the characters of the guys. Don't try to make one a baby face. Don't try to make one a heel because that's where you kill characters. Stay true to who they are. And they did that in that promo. They stayed true to the characters of Ziggler and Ambrose. And I thought they did a phenomenal job and I really, really enjoyed it. I lost you for a second there, so... Those on the podcast may be, may be wondering, but you're back. That's all that matters. Should That's re- all that matters. Do I need to repeat that? Yes, please, just okay. in case. I basically said, bro, uh, I'm a stickler for stay true to the characters of the guys. Make sure they act and say how they would act and say, don't try to force them in a babyface lane. Don't try to force them in the heel lane. Be true to their characters. I felt Ziggler and Ambrose were true 
to their characters. And, um, you know, I, you know, it, it felt emotional. It felt real. Um, you know, there, there weren't lines that would just, you know, misplaced. I thought it was that that really stuck out to me as the best thing on both shows this past week. I love the, the opening promo where Dean Ambrose said, like Dolph Ziggler would be like, I'm going to win that title and I'm the show off and yada, yada. And Ambrose is like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. I like that. I love that. What I didn't like was the end, how it seemed kind of hokey that Ambrose would help uh, Ziggler as you know, it, it just seemed like such a cookie cutter thing, but I have a feeling they're going to do something different with this because I think that they they almost feel like they have to with with Ziggler at this point. Yeah, uh, because he is in a title match. Vince, I have a confession to make. I spent way too much time the other day looking for the most ridiculous photos of you to use on your features. What you find, bro? I'm afraid to ask. Well, I actually screen capped one of you in a glass case after you won the WCW championship and you're yelling at Goldberg. So there's that one. I could not find a solid photo of you with the WCW championship because I really wanted to use that. I might not have ever. I don't know, bro. Did I ever hold that in my hands? I'm going to look. I don't think I, I, bro, I don't think I did because I remember I was kind of concussed when the, when the match ended. So I, I don't remember ever getting it handed to me. And then the, the following show, I gave it up. There is a photo of you holding the title, but I'm pretty sure that's one of the 720 vacancies that happened under your era, Vince. Yeah, I think there was 800. <laughs> 800. Um, but, oh, I found another one. But see, yeah, I found another one. Oh, I'm going to use this. But you're looking down. You weren't thinking ahead, Vince. You weren't thinking – you know, in 15 years, I might be working for Fightful, and they might need a good picture of my face, yeah. the championship, all that stuff. Yeah. I, as I admitted to you, Vince, I almost used the one of you hitting the pipe as the uh, the feature on. Oh, that would have been money, bro, right there. That would have been. been money, yeah, yeah. And there's a bro, great I, I, one. I can't, I can't believe somebody, re- like, reported that to YouTube, and they put restrictions on it. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? bro. I, yeah, that's what I said. I'm like, wait, I, wait, I live in Colorado. I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't illegal. Everything I did was perfectly above board, and they, they wouldn't take the restriction off. That's weird. That's really weird. Um, yeah. Unusual. I haven't been able to find one of you and Jim Cornette yet. Yet. I don't think there's one of those. I don't think there is one. Uh, what what else? Should, I thought about using the one of you from the billionaire Ted skits. That's uh. I first, you know, it's funny because years later when I saw finally saw you on, uh, I think I saw you on Livewire and stuff like that. But I was like, this guy's so familiar. Why is he so familiar? And I was like, billionaire Ted skits. Bro, you want to hear a funny story about that? Sure. This is the God honest truth, bro. I went to, I think I had to pick up some shirts at the cleaners the day before, right? So I'm getting dressed that morning, right, bro? And I put on this shirt that, like, obviously wasn't mine, and it was choking me around the neck. They gave me the wrong shirt. So I don't know why I wore the short shirt to work, bro, 
for like, I wore the shirt, I couldn't breathe all freaking day. And that day they asked me to come in and do that skit. So like my, my shirt collar is literally choking me to death during those billionaire Ted skits. I like those skits because I was a WWF guy even back then. I just was. You know, I live on the border of like Kentucky and Ohio, and I didn't like to consider myself like a southerner. So I wasn't – I didn't identify with WCW as much. I liked the, the – at least for a while before that, the, the brightly lit arenas and things like that. So I thought that those skits were kind of funny. And I, I'll say that, you know – the perception of me as a child, I was like, you know what? WCW does have these old guys. That's what the, those skits made me think. It really did make me rethink it and be like, well, this isn't cool. I probably shouldn't watch it. Yeah. What was was that the mentality going into those skits? Uh, I don't know, bro. I thought they were weak. I mean, I, really? I thought, yeah, I did. I mean, I, I felt that way when Vince was doing them. I wasn't involved with creative at the time. I was just a magazine guy. I, I just, yeah, I mean, I almost felt there was desperation. I mean, that that's just how I felt. I really did. One thing I've always wondered, Vince, you do a lot of interviews with people for the brand, a ton of them. And to say, you know, you're polarizing, kind of, I guess you could say that. Some people love you, some people hate you. Have you ever just reached out for an interview and someone just go off? Or has everybody been pretty much professional? Never. As a matter of fact, bro, if you remember, and, 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 you know, I get these rants secondhand. Uh, Jim Cornette went off on a rant not too long ago about how, I I was responsible for killing Dan Severn's career. It, it, it was all my fault. Uh, you know, he didn't amount to, um, you know, perhaps his potential at the WWE. Meanwhile, I, I had an hour and a half interview with Severn two days ago. And I mean, oh, you know, totally, totally, totally 100% cool. So no, bro, no. I've Bro, like, I, 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 I'll say this. Like, bro, one of the guys that likes to um, – you know, not talk highly of me is is um, uh, Chris Daniels, mm-hmm. and and he's the only guy that I've invited on my show and basically said, bro, if you want to say something to me, say it to me. Him, him, and Cornette are the only two guys that have been invited on my show and won't come on my show. It's a shame. Daniels has been on my show. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, you know, and. Severn, and I love Dan Severn. I do. He's he's a sweetheart of a gentleman, that guy. Yeah, he's yeah, a, yeah. A brilliant person. guy, too. Brilliant guy, too, bro. But when, when he was in the WWE, he was 40 years old then and had yeah. some real, real restrictions yeah. as it was. Like, well, bro, it wasn't only that, bro. He Here's what happened. You know, when I look back at it now, it's so obvious to me. The UFC was just starting to take off a little bit. Jim Ross was talent relations. So, bro, what we did was we kind of brought in three UFC-ish guys at the same time. You know, you brought in Shamrock, you brought brought in Blackman, and you brought in Severn. Bro, somebody was going to get lost in the shuffle, and it was probably the guy who had the, um, the, the least best verbal skills. So, like, it all makes sense to me. I totally get it. I think we made a mistake of bringing three guys very similar in it once. Somebody was going to get lost in the shuffle, bro. What did you think of Blackman? I think today that guy could have worked out. Like, if if he were here today, 
and he were that age, I think he could do probably pretty well. Yeah, he could, bro, but it was a different time and a different era where talking was very, very, very important, and that held him back, bro. He just, he just was not a good talker. A lot of people don't realize he was supposed to be in the WWF like years before that, but he got really, really sick. Sick. He almost died of something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like he was, gosh, I want to say that he he was doing WWF house shows in like 1989. Yeah. Which is crazy to think. And uh, he got malaria and dysentery, yeah. I think. Yeah, and, something and ridiculous. Yeah, and yep, he, yep. He was like kept to a bed for two years. So for him to be able to make that type of recovery – and I know back then, you know, what some of the guys were taking, it was kind of the Wild West. But still, to be near death and come back from that, uh, that that's amazing. I really wish WWE Network would have picked up his show. Did you see the trailer for his show that came out a couple years ago? No, I did not. It was him as a bounty hunter. Yeah. And, like, there are these women, like, throwing potted plants at him through, through like, second-story windows, and he's cursing at them. I was like, man, I would watch that yeah. show. And he's the real deal. I mean, bro, like, you know, he'd kill Dog the Bounty Hunter. I mean, like, forget oh, yeah. about it. Like, he's, like, he's the – oh, forget it, bro. He's dangerous, man. He ran a legit uh, MMA school and I think a promotion for a while. Um, I was – I tried to reach out to him for that Brawl for All piece that I did, but he's, he's a tough guy to get a hold of, yeah. uh, that guy. So when you all, I mean, you know, we, we don't have a lot of solid stuff to talk about this week. So, I mean, we'll just, we'll just BS it, Vince. When you all brought in those UFC guys, what, what, was, what was the general consensus backstage? I know that Ken Shamrock and Dan Severn both told me, particularly in the Brawl for All, they didn't feel comfortable doing that because, you know, they had worked to gain the trust of the people they were working with. And now they were, it was like they were being asked, hey, go beat the shit out of these guys for real now. Um, but what was, what was the feeling backstage when you brought in three guys who were legit badasses? Was it like, was there like a machismo thing that, that took over with some of these guys? Nah, bro, there really wasn't. I mean, there, there really wasn't. I mean, they, they, they were accepted. They fit right in. I mean, bro, bro, honestly, who was going to mess with those guys? You know what I'm saying, bro? I mean, come on. You, you, you're going to start bu- 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 bu behind their backs and politic and this and that. They'd kill you. That, that's, well, that's probably why it never happened. Brian Nobbs or Jerry Sags, I think, tried. They jumped Shamrock years before. And then years later, he saw them in an airport. And I guess a lot of people had to keep Ken Shamrock from slaughtering these two. Yeah, forget it, bro. Like he, they, oh, my God. It wouldn't even be close, man. Was there any type of that? I mean – you traveled w- with them. You traveled with a lot of people. So, I mean, was was there ever any incidents that you can remember, like maybe at an airport, WWE guys running into WCW guys? I mean, back then, it was it was a lot different than TNA and WWE now. I mean, Matt Hardy's on Chris Jericho's podcast this week. You would have never seen that back then. Uh how, yeah, how, but, but 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 guys had they they had the relationships back then you just wouldn't see it you know what I'm saying I mean the the boys are always the boys bro and it's a fraternity regardless of where you're working it doesn't matter so that that always existed you just didn't see it that much I always wondered about that because you know on screen you would have little things like Eric Bischoff taking jabs at Mick Foley winning the the WWF championship and I was like you know. These guys are going to cross paths at hotels, yeah. airports, things of that nature. Yeah. Another thing that, that I really remember, 
and I can't remember which side you were on. I think you were still at WWF. When Eric Bischoff challenged Vince McMahon to a fight, did yeah. they even sell that backstage? Like, was that brought up at all? No, but you know, you you know the uh, kind of how that went down, right, bro? Did it, do we have we ever talked about this before? I don't think we have on the show, bro. I swear to you, I think it was just me and Vince writing TV at the time. Ed Ed, Ed might have been involved. Do you know the date of that, bro? What the date was? I'll look it up. Yeah, Ed might have been there. I, I don't remember. But here's my point, bro. Vince was hot because that's how he is. He's such a macho, macho man. You know what I mean? And the fact that somebody challenged him, like really pissed him off, I mean, as a shoot. And, bro, I swear to you, Vince would have shown up had not that been Stephanie McMahon's graduation date. He was trying to figure out how to go to Stephanie's McMahon's uh, graduation <laughs> and then fly to the. T- he, he really he was. Wanted do, he wanted to do the old John Cena show up on the, go on the yes. Today Show and come back and wrestle. Yes, he. I mean, as a one hundred percent bro. I'm telling you, if Stephanie did not graduate that day, he would have been there. And the way that Bischoff tells it is that like Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan came up to him and were like. You may want to rethink this because he might show up. Yes, yes. He, I'm telling you, bro, there's no doubt in my mind he would have if that was not her graduation day. Exactly. If you were in Bischoff's position, would you have done that? Because his, his way of thinking that he said was like, well, if I get my ass kicked, at least I'm going to get a good number out of it. I, I probably would have done it, bro, because, you know, the odds of him showing up were probably, you, you know what I mean? So I probably would have done it. I like always finding out stuff like this because we, we don't often get weeks where there's not a lot of news and stuff like that. So I get to pick your brain about things that happened back then. And I know this was sort of an answer to, to the DX showing up thing. Was it not? At WCW? No, no, not at all. Uh-uh. This happened like maybe a month after that, I would Yeah, think. no, not at all. We, we just knew. Bro, I'm a firm believer in, man, when you're in second place – you got to throw the kitchen sink at first place. When you're in first place, you make as if second place doesn't exist. But when you're in second place, throw the freaking kitchen sink. And, like, that's what we did. Well, we, we saw some of that at, like, in TNA as well with the, the infamous Voodoo Kin Mafia thing. How, how comfortable were guys like Road Dog and Billy Gunn? Oh, doing they were that? comfortable. Management had no balls, bro. You know, Dixie, yeah. Dixie had no balls at the end of the day. That's really what it came down to. Which, I mean, I know obviously Gun and Road Dog mended fences, and they were in a much different place in their life than yeah. – Bro, we, 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 were, we, we shot that like in front – right at their office, bro, we shot that. We were like right there. They were camping out in front of the WWE headquarters, bro. That's what's missing today. Everybody's I friends. Were, Everybody's friends. Everybody's working together, bro. I remember Balloon Gate too. Were you around TNA for that? I was not around TNA. For, well, I, I, I'm sure I was. Maybe I was working there, but I was not around for that. No. Do you remember what I'm referring to? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. When uh, Abyss and like yeah, our truth and a few people showed up with balloons at at, at a WWE yeah. filming. I mean. That, and that, that's where David Zahadi, who was a longtime produ- uh, producer for TNA, one of the best, and he went over to work for TNA. Man, he had he, he still has all kinds of heat to this day from that. Over that, really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Man, that's crazy. I mean, and I remember back then, 
TNA was kind of, it was coming up as like almost counterculture type of thing. Like this is the thing to watch out for. Like do and doing stuff like that. I was like, Oh, that's cool. I've never, I've not seen WWE do that in a long time because they've not had anybody in their rear view mirror for a while. Right. So I thought that was, that was really cool. And you know, some of the things that, that TNA was doing, like Elix Skipper, that psycho walking across the cage and doing a Hurricane Rana. There were things like that, that I was like, I I can't miss TNA this week. I can't miss TNA this week. There's not a lot of wrestling anymore that does that for me where I'm like, Okay, absolutely anything could happen here. And I'm pretty sure that was in a taped environment even, but I was still like, oh, I got to watch that. Yeah. Um, you were also around, I'm pretty sure, when you, you were around when Hogan and Bischoff came in, right? Yeah. What did you think of some of the changes they made, like namely the ring? I know the wrestlers, a lot of them were in favor of it because it was a little easier on them. What did you think of those changes? Ah, Brian, you know, bro, these guys came in, and especially, I'm, I'm not even going to, I'm going to speak with Eric because, uh, you know, I personally was there. I'll never forget, bro, we had our first booking meeting that Eric was in, and it was me, Matt Conway, Ed Ferrara, and Eric Bischoff, and he basically took this the, the script for the next show and basically tore it up and said to us, and we were the three writers at the time, this place never even existed until we got here. Oh. That, that's how cocky and arrogant he was. And, bro, you don't do that. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, you just don't do that. That's how, that's how he is. And quite frankly, that's why I never got along with him because I don't care. Listen, I don't care what Eric Bischoff's business sense is or what he thinks of me. I don't care about any of that. And I say this all the time. I don't like the way he treated people. That's what I didn't like about him. And, and that was a perfect example. Those two thought they were going to come in, change everything, call all the shots, and literally believed they were going to overtake TNA, not knowing you know, what they had to work with, the finances, the limitations, Dixie Carter being a boss, not having a clue to what the reality of the situation was. So they, they came in with these you know, hopes and dreams that were unrealistic from the get-go. And that's why it never worked out because you you were limited working with TNA. You could only do so much. And, uh, you know, it, it definitely didn't have the financial resources to do some of the things that they wanted to do. Who do you think were some of the talents that hurt the most from from that regime change? I know that I know Elijah Burke was one of them. I mean, that guy. Yeah, and anybody that was an original TNA talent, anybody, name them. A AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, uh, uh, Eric Young, Bobby Roode, name it. Anybody who was an ter- original TNA talent suffered. I remember some of the guys they brought in. They yeah. brought the Nasty Boys back. Yep. They brought Orlando Jordan in. They brought Sean Morley, who I think fantastic guy, but at that point a little a little strange. And he came in and I think he beat like Jarrett and Christopher Daniels and several several homegrown guys. Then darted. I'm pretty sure he got out of the company right after that. Yeah. What was the feeling backstage, at Bubba the Love Sponge? What was the feeling backstage? Because the Nasty Boys and Bubba in particular were two guys or three guys that everybody could look at and say, well, we know how they got hired. 
Yeah. Well, it, 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 nothing, bro, because everybody was scared to death of him. You know, so 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 nobody was going to say anything, bro. Dixie too. When they came in, she never she never made the parameters clear to everybody. There was never a meeting. Okay, Vince is in charge of this. Eric's in charge of that. Hulk's in charge of that. There was never that meeting, so nobody really knew what kind of power these guys had or didn't have. So for a lot of guys, like you know, were, were these guys the boss? Were these guys running the place? A lot of guys did not know that. So there were no ramifications whatsoever because people were just afraid of them. Speaking of ramifications, Awesome Kong kicked Bubba the Love Sponge's ass. Did, yeah. he, did she not? Uh, what was the feel? Did What was the feeling bro, when, when that happened? Bro, did you ever hear that story, bro? Uh, go ahead and tell it for people who haven't I, heard fr- it. I, I was the one that pulled Kong off of him, bro. She was freaking killing him. And I literally and physically pulled her off above the love sponge or else she would have absolutely killed him. Was there any heat backstage on him for just – how was he backstage? I mean, I know on screen he was an absolute nightmare. Bubba? Yeah. Bro, it's funny, but like Bubba was Hulk's boy and Bubba always used to bury me uh, on his show all the time because of – when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. His relationship with Hulk. Meanwhile, he never knew me, never met me, nothing. Uh, but once, once I was there working with him face to face, I mean, he was always fine to me. I mean, he never said one word to me. But that's usually how it is, you know, bro. As I mentioned, you know, sometimes, especially that that WCW and TNA stuff, you're kind of considered polarizing. There's one thing. <laughs> which was always kind of funny. It was the, the lockdown where they chanted fire Russo and Dixie yeah. of all people yeah. admitted years later, that wasn't your idea, Vince. That wasn't my idea. And, and, and that, that perhaps pissed me off more than anything, bro. And I'll, I'll tell you like, bro, I've come up with bad ideas. I've stated my bad ideas that I would not do again. That was not one of them. And I'll never forget. I had left the company and one of the one of the main reasons I came back was because Jeff's wife was dying of cancer and I wanted to help Jeff. That's really why I went back, to be honest with you. And I'll never forget the first booking meeting I went to when I was away for a while, Dutch and Jeff already had this electrified cage booked. And I remember saying to myself, because I knew the limitations of TNA. They, bro, they were not capable of pulling stuff off like that. But being that it was my first day back on the job, I, I could not say anything. It, it just was not in my place to say anything. I think Dutch got the idea from Puerto Rico. I think they had done that in Puerto Rico. I, I don't know. But I sat there and I was like, bro, do you guys like, do you not see what this is going to look like? And sure enough, that's what it looked like. And just because they had rehired me right before that show, 
you know, all of a sudden now this was Russo's idea and no, bro, that, that, that one was not my idea. Something I've always also wondered, you were, you were instrumental backstage, the WWF attitude era. (laughs) One of the things that kept me watching each week, I never knew when or if Stone Cold Steve Austin would drive some apparatus to the ring and absolutely destroy people from like, beer trucks to Zambonis to just regular trucks. Is that something like, first off, how far ahead do you all plan something like that? No, just the days before, bro. Yeah. The raw ends and we're writing the next raw and that's it. So <laughs> within a few days, you're like, okay, we got to figure out the logistics of getting a beer truck in here. Yeah, exactly. Was there, was there ever a situation where it didn't nope. get to happen? Like, Bro, that was the amazing thing about the WWE, you know, and that's why, like, I I have to laugh when people always criticize me with Vince McMahon being the editor, and 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 their proof is, well, if Vince McMahon was wasn't your editor, then how do you explain that you didn't have the same ratings at TNA that you got at WWE, which is like just freaking ridiculous. The limitations at TNA, like were just so unbelievable where at WWE, whatever you wrote on the sheet of paper, you knew would be there. You knew would be delivered. You you could write anything, bro. And you knew it was going to be executed. And that was the beauty of working with them because you could just use your imagination because you knew it was going to be, uh, it was just going to be produced. <laughs> And one of the things I liked most about that situation was when Austin had the Zamboni and drove over the lighting fixture. Yeah, bro, because we didn't do a run-through. Like, we did not oh, do a no. run That was not supposed to happen. I mean, he literally dragged the lights with him. It wasn't supposed to happen that way. I always thought that that was, that was great. Um, also, you know, when, when the Attitude Era kicked off, I mean, there was that infamous – not infamous, now famous uh, – pre-tape that Vince McMahon had done saying we're tired of insulting your intelligence at what point did that that switch flip what point was it said okay we're going full on for this was there something WCW did in particular no. that finally just bro, said him- you want you want you want to know what it is bro this is what it is this is the, the, I think this was the moment okay bro I'll never forget we do the Survivor Series game bread punches Vince in the eye Vince literally has a black eye, okay? Mm-hmm. That that day, we have our production meeting. All the producers leave, and just Vince's round table is left in the room, okay? And, and the, the, the discussion was, how are we going to handle what happened last night at the Survivor Series? Okay, bro? Bro, Patterson was in there, Briscoe, uh, Jack Lonza was one of his right-hand men. Uh, I'm sure Shane was in there, Bruce Pritchard, JR, just like the Knights of the Round Table were in there. And, bro, I'll never forget, I'm sitting there, and everybody in that room wanted to sweep the incident under the rug like it never happened. And I remember, bro, I sat there, and I'm listening to everybody talk. And, you know, everybody wanted to, like it never happened. Let's just, let's just carry on as usual, right? And I never forget, I sat there after listening to everybody and I said, I, I stood up and I said, are you freaking kidding me? 
Bret Hart punched Vince McMahon in the face. And we're going to sweep that under the carpet. I said, you are never going to have a better storyline in, in the history of this company. And I could tell Vince, bro, I knew when Vince like was listening. You know, and all of a sudden, here's, here was somebody coming from another direction with this. And I was like, you've got to take advantage of this. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And that's when that situation turned into the uh, Vince didn't screw Brett, Brett screwed Brett. And from there, we, it, we took off. I was always hoping that something, something of that nature, maybe not that type of promo would happen, um, but that that would kick off maybe a, a new type of direction for the WWE these days. I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe on an individual brand, if they can get away with that. Um, also, I was going to ask you, are you aware that, that Bischoff is suing TNA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, that was um... – yeah, I mean, that was out there a, a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, it was. Um, I know that I think Garrett even mentioned it at one point that uh, they were suing. I guess it's for, for money that that the company still owed him or something of that nature. I Did think it, I think I, I don't know. I don't know if it's company the money owes him personally. I think a lot has to do with that BHE, bro. I, I think Yeah, their their company, the yeah. Bischoff Hervey Entertainment. Yeah, it's due to owed money from uh from that as well. We we've always heard about, you know, people having trouble getting paid on time in TNA. Was that ever a problem when you were there? not to guys like that. You know what I mean? I mean, bro, guys like that, bro, the guys, you know, Dixie got her paycheck, you know, Bischoff got his paycheck. Hogan got his paycheck. It was the guys at the bottom of the barrel whose pay was always late, you know, which is, which is BS because that shouldn't happen to anybody. Bro. I I took, I took a pay cut when I was at TNA. I took a pay cut. They couldn't afford. I remember you telling me that, um, so when you were at TNA, how, how did that make it? Was that before or after Hogan left? Oh, uh, that was before. So how does that make you feel knowing that they gave these guys so much money and they're asking, not just you, they're asking a lot of people for pay cuts. It didn't, I mean, bro, it didn't surprise me. You know, bro, they, they sold Dixie Carter a bill of goods, but at the end of the day, she was the one that hired them. And in her mind, she believed that Hulk Hogan was going to take her to the promised land. She, she, she was not interested in hiring Eric Bischoff. But, of course, you know, that was part of Hulk's deal. So, you know, the money, you know, the money that she agreed to pay Hulk, now she was going to pay an, a hefty sum to Eric. And in my opinion, they've never, ever been able to recover from that. Have you spoken to Dixie since since you've left? Well, yeah, I mean, bro, when I when I went back there when I was consulting, I did, yeah. But I mean, since since the consulting and no. the whole Spike TV deal, uh, no, there, there's been texts back and forth and stuff like that, but no, I, I have not spoken to her. No, I always wondered about that. Um, she seems like she at least you know defends the people in which are working for her, but you know, once then when it's time to lay blame, it kind of goes out the window. 
Now we, we yeah, bro, seen- she, I, I probably got heat with her. I'll be honest with you. Like I, I, I recently did an interview with Billy Corgan and he asked me flat out, he goes, Vince, you know, are you trying to say that a company led by Dixie Carter cannot be successful? And I said, yes. I said, there's no way Dixie as the, as the leader of TNA, that that will ever be a successful company, bro. I'm not saying that because I have any personal issues with Dixie Carter. I'm not saying that because, you know, I no longer work there or things went down the way they did. I'm saying that based on decisions I saw her make 10 years. You know, I mean, I, I was there. I saw the decisions firsthand. I saw how she was as a boss. And I don't think that company will ever be successful with her as the boss. That's she's in my opinion, she's not cut out to run a company. That's my I, I'm not cut out to run a company. I, I, I've had companies that I've put out of business, but I, I know that, you know, so like it's not I'm not saying that in a degrading way. It's just not her strong suit. People people always seem to think that, too. If you say that Dixie shouldn't be running a company, that it's a bad thing. I'm with you, Vince. I told – you know how many people over the last two or three years said, start your own site, run your own site? And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I'm the same way, bro. I'm horrible at my own business. Horrible. But yeah. I, I have no problem saying that. But the, but the thing is, like, I swear to God, bro, to this day, I guarantee you Dixie would defend every one of her decisions yeah. as bad as they were it, rather than saying, hey, you know what? Yeah, I made a mistake. This is what I learned from that. She, she doesn't do that. To, in, in her mind, hiring Hogan and Bischoff was a good idea. And, and, I mean, and it's like still is. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying, bro. I'm, I'm t- she, she would to this day defend that idea. So it's, I think, it's, it's it's not a personal derogatory thing. It's I don't think she's cut out to run a business. I think that company has so many tools that could be used well. I think EC3 is fantastic. I really like Eli Drake. I think Bobby Lashley has never been better than he is now. What Matt Hardy has done is nothing short of amazing because it's helped out him and his brother. They've got a lot of uh, – Gail Kim is still one of the best – women's wrestlers in the world she can't really talk very well but there there's a certain charm to her there but i mean that like you mentioned there are some people who just shouldn't run a company if she wanted to own the company that's one thing but there are a lot of owners that are hands off and there's nothing wrong with that bro do you know do you know how much heat i got with her at one time when i was the writer and the producer of the show Bro, she wanted to turn my role into something more, you know, where people would actually report to me and this, that, and the other thing, bro. And there was more money involved. And Mm -hmm. I turned it down because I said, Dixie, I'm not a boss. That's, That's not what I do. I'm a creative guy. I can write a show and I could produce a show. I knew what my limitations were, bro. So like I left money at the table and she got pissed off at me because I I know when I'm going to fail at something and there's nothing wrong with that, bro. We can't all be great at everything. And, um, you know, but if you don't know your shortcomings, you're going to fail, bro. I think I think knowing your limitations is a very important thing. I can relate this back I, when I was in college and I worked at a GNC and they wanted me to become like uh, regional uh, – work regionally or something. And I was like, listen, I'll sell these supplements all day. I'll tell people about them. 
this role that you all want, I could take it. It's a lot of money, but I'll tell you all, our relationship's going to sour pretty soon. Same thing when people ask me, why don't you start your own site? I don't want to. I don't know how to. I'm the same I would, way, bro. bro and how many people very, tell me to start a wrestling company? I'm like, are you freaking nuts? I was I, very lucky that, that James and his, his yeah. team came along because that was what I had always said. I was what? like, listen, if we if we get somebody that gives us the Sean, resources. you know what? Let me tell you this, bro. Let me explain to you. I'm glad we're having this conversation, bro, because here's why people don't understand. This is why Vince Russo was successful at WWE and not so successful at WCW and TNA. It's real simple, bro, and you will understand this based on this conversation. The genius of Vince McMahon is he hires the best people for the job and allows them to do their job. So in other words, Vince Russo's writer, Kevin Dunn's television, Jim Ross's talent relations – And, bro, because Vince McMahon is running that ship, everybody stays in their their lanes and there's no politicking. You see, Sean, politicking comes when people start crossing lanes because they want more power. That's that's, That's how the politicking begins. Well, with Vince McMahon, that never took place. Everybody stayed in their lane, had a job to do, and they did that job best. Now you go to a WCW. Now you go to a TNA where there isn't that strong Vince McMahon figurehead. Now those guys in those lanes are jockeying for position to gain power. You understand now all of a sudden Eric Bischoff isn't just an executive producer. Now he's a better writer than Vince Russo will ever be. You know, now Bruce Pritchard isn't just talent relations. Now Bruce Pritchard is a better writer than Vince Russo. So now these lanes start crossing. Everybody's looking for power. And that's when your company blows up. And that's exactly what happened to TNA, and that's exactly what happened to WCW. I think that people understanding their limitations, and, and you know, if they want to aspire to try to exceed their limitations, cool. Like I said, you, you want me to, to direct traffic on a site, write like a workhorse podcast, uh, do some audio, video, do all that stuff, I'm your guy. You want me to create, design Market away. I can market to an extent. I have a decent following. Uh, but you want me to create a website, tell a tech team what to do, don't have the resources, don't know what I'm doing there. Yep. Like I said, yep. that's why this situation, I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm their guy. Nobody will work harder at this than I do, uh, at least that doesn't own a site already. Right. But uh, I know my limitations. I'm, I'm not the only way, trying yeah. to design a site. I can tell them hey, this is what the site needs to look like. You need to have this because I know what goes into that. But knowing your limitations, a very, very good thing. I know that you also butted heads with John Gaburek backstage uh, over not, him getting a little more creative. Well, not backstage. Not, not, not really. Ba- we were never really backstage together. But well, And we, did, we didn't butt heads, bro. Like I – I could tell immediately, you know, with working with him for a month that this guy already thought he knew more than me. 
So I just kind of went with it. So like we never really butted heads, bro. I was just a consultant. So as a consultant, I'm going to say, listen, this is what I think you should do. Whether you do it or not, it's totally up to you, you know. So there was never really a butting heads. But I think at the end of the day, he just he was not interested in having somebody working for him that knew more than he knew. And that's that's why it didn't work out. Vince, what was the most interesting physical confrontation you ever saw backstage? So could I have been a part of it? Perhaps. Sure. Why not? I, I, I think I was a part of it more than anything I ever saw, bro. I that? thought I thought I thought Bill Goldberg was going to kill me one night, bro. Really? Like, bro. See, this is, you know, pe- these are the things people don't understand. You know, when, when they when they want to talk about like, you know, uh, 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 you know, Vince Russo killing WCW like they, they have no idea, bro. I wanted Bill Goldberg to do a job for Scott Steiner. Okay? Yeah. He refused to do it. According to Bill Goldberg, if him and Scott Steiner got in a real fight, he would beat Scott Steiner. And I said to him on numerous occasions, well, go tell Scott Steiner that and see what Scott says. And and he never did that. (laughs) But he was refusing to do a job. Okay? To, To lose a match, bro. Bro, we had to fly Bill Goldberg and his uh, his uh, agent to WCW headquarters to meet with Brad Siegel. So wow. the head of TBS and the head of TV, TNT could say, Bill, you'll, we need you to lose this match. Okay? So I was part of that meeting. Siegel told Bill, we need you to lose this match. Well, guess what, bro? We get to the building for the pay-per-view. You think Brad Siegel's there? No. Hey, Brad Siegel ain't nowhere to be found. <laughs> so all of a sudden, Johnny Ace, Laurinaitis, comes up to me and says, bro, Goldberg ain't doing the job. You you need to go in there and talk to him. Okay, bro, me. I need to go in there and talk to him. So, bro, I'll never forget literally it was me and him in the room. There's two chairs, bro, literally this close to each other, this close, bro. He's leaning in his chair. This is what he's doing. I'm not kidding you. (laughs) Literally bro. Like not taking his eyes off, bro. This is all we're losing a a wrestling match. So, bro, I sat there, and the only thing I could think of saying was, and this is exactly what I said. I said, bro, if you're going to hit me, then go ahead and hit me, and let's get this over with because, like, you're you're not going to intimidate me. So, like, if you're going to hit me, just go ahead and hit me. And I don't think, bro, he expected me to say that because that totally kind of took the wind out of his sails. And then we have a we had a conversation. But when I said that to him, you know, I did not know whether he was going to punch me in the face or not. And that how was, was the how was the conversation that went down afterwards? Was it amicable? Was it was it okay? Was it professional? Yeah, no, I mean, that? I mean, he wound up doing it. He wasn't happy about it, but he wound up doing it. But I honestly did not know. Like, is this guy just gonna 
lay me out or not. I mean, that was like the closest I, you know, ever came. Were there any guys that were just outside of him that were just like, I know Triple H uh, one time, but on the contrary, they were maybe a little too welcoming to put people over. Oh, God. Yeah, you know, you know who was like that, bro? Like, and he didn't have to be freaking Kurt, man. Yeah. Oh my God, bro. Kurt Angle would have put me over, like literally in a in a regular wrestling. I mean, oh, bro, that guy's demeanor. Now, bro, I didn't work with Kurt at WWE, but by the time he got to TNA, that guy's demeanor, bro. I I don't think there was anybody else that was easier than Kurt. I really don't. It was so funny because I interviewed Muhammad Hassan for that for for that feature I did. And- one of the things that stuck out to me was like he said that Kurt doesn't realize that everybody's not Kurt and that everybody's not a former WWE, WCW, World Heavyweight, TNA, Olympic champion. And one of the things that, that he did that caused Muhammad Hassan to get heat, Muhammad Hassan used a camel clutch as a finish. And Angle was like – he went up to Muhammad Hassan and he said, Eddie Guerrero is doing your finish. You need to – tell him ask him to, to lay off of that because you know that's your finish and he's using it in the middle of the match eddie's dad invented the move oh jeez yeah so and, and you and you eddie's famous temper you know yeah 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 and muhammad hassan said it wasn't as bad from him he eddie was like we've all been there we've all made dumb mistakes but the rest of the locker room really let him have it and to me, I was like, man, I wonder if that was a rib from Kurt or if Kurt just generally was trying to be like, nah, bro, that was I'm def- helping you. Bro, that was definitely a rib. That was, <laughs> there's no, that was definitely a rib, bro. There's no two ways about it. Because Kurt, I mean, has a, he's got a great sense of humor too, bro. There, there's footage of Eddie. I don't know if you've seen it because it was when you weren't watching maybe a lot of WWE. Vicky was in storylines and Vicky missed her cue. <laughs> It was in a ladder match, and you hear Eddie laying on the ground screaming, where the F is Vicky? Where is she? In the middle of a match. Like, his temper is is infamous. Yeah. And imagine yeah. going to him and saying, nah, that was, hey, uh, sir, can you stop doing a move? Rip. Yeah, hundred yeah, stop doing a move that your yeah. dad invented, That's please? funny. That's a great oh, story, bro. Yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah, like, I went real in-depth with a lot of that stuff, and I found out a lot of stuff. I found out – a lot of things backstage I can't report for fear of people losing their jobs now, even yeah. like the, the the level of stuff that, that can happen is it, just unreal. That that absolutely could not happen today because of social media, because of yeah. camera phones, things like that. Yeah. It's maybe maybe when I put a book out way, way in the future, or or if one of those people piss me off enough, I guess. Um but like Oh, you know, we're, we're about to wrap up and, you know, this, I think this has been fun. We've been able to just BS it about random stuff. You hear about ribbers and people who rib way too much. And you hear the, the, the ones like Kurt or Kurt Hennig and Owen Hart, who were some of them with the more lighthearted stuff that would, would kind of do that. Ah, bro, like every time you talk about that, you just think of Owen, like all the time. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, God, and, and Davey Boy, you know, like the two of them, bro. Like, they, I swear to God, bro, they were like two mischievous six-year-old kids. Like, it was almost like, I, bro, it was almost like that's why they were in the wrestling business. You, you know what I mean, bro? Yeah. If they were allowed to just rib on the square, like, 
you know, 24 hours and not even lace up a pair of boots, I think they would have took the job because it was so kind of entertaining to sit back and watch them and the kick they got out of it. And it meant so much to them. It was, it was just, you know, see, bro, that's the side of the business that you really remember fondly. You know, guys like that, that just wanted to have a good time. You know what I mean? But those two really, really stand out. Ultimately, I think that's what it's about. You make fun, you make money. Yeah. And it's not so bad. Guys, as always, Fightful.com is a place to be. You shouldn't be able to see this unless you're registered at Fightful.com anyway. But let people know, register. If you have any problems, check your junk mail filter. Also, guys, DraftBeast.com, check that out. I'm having fun with this. Vince, you need to get in on that because you can play a game. They have two different kind of games that I think are really cool. Goon games, hockey and basketball season, where the, you pick who is going to be the most penalized players. Oh, that's interesting. And then they have one where you pick the worst team possible, which I'm sure you'd have no problem with, Vince. Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I love that. Also, guys, go to our podcast page. Click those on it links. Support us. Go there. Open up just, just that world of supplements, that world of kettlebells, that world of good stuff. Uh, Vince will be back with us here next Thursday afternoon. Also, he's got a, a column up this weekend. Uh, myself and Showdown Joe did a show last night. Check that out. We'll be back Sunday or Monday to cover that UFC show. But Vince, before we go, tell him about the brand. Yeah, I want to tell him this real quick, right? And listen, listen, Sean. You know, I, I I plug. We we all have to plug to stay in business. But th- this is more than a plug. I'm saying, like, if you're a wrestling fan, you need to listen to this because this is an interview, Sean. To be honest with you, that perhaps some people would not listen to because they, they don't know the person. But tomorrow, you know, I I do my show on podcast one Monday or fr- Monday through Friday. Tomorrow, bro. I, I do part one of a two-part interview with Bill Apter. And, you know, Sean, there's a lot of guys that don't know Apter. Bill Apter was the only wrestling journalist before there was an internet, when internets didn't exist. So here is a guy, bro, that has the greatest stories you could imagine with the greatest individuals in the history of the business bro i swear to god when i interviewed him sean i was like oh you tell me more mr after tell me more (laughs) because nobody could tell these stories bro you know the the bruno stories and the freddie blassie stories and ernie Ladd. but i'm telling you man if you really want to learn a little bit about history just listen to the interview with after tomorrow on podcast one i'm telling you it'll be tremendous I had the pleasure of working for and with Bill Apter for for five years. Yeah, um, yeah. That was my first wrestling writing gig. I it was the day that Bret Hart came back to WWE, January fourth, two thousand ten. I'll never forget it because it was the night that I think TNA started to go live on Mondays as well. And I, w- I felt disenfranchised as a fan, and I wrote a column that was only supposed to lead up to WrestleMania, and he liked it so much that he kept me on. And you know it, it wasn't. It's for little, little to no money. I'll say that, and there, there's no problem saying that. But I wrote for him out of respect. I wrote for him yeah. because I wanted to say yeah. I wrote for Bill Apter. I wrote you, for bro. a guy I grew up writing, and I wondered, you know, will this ever pay off? He's the guy who recommended me for this yep. job. 
So he's the tre- he's the treasure, and I mean this when I say this, bro. He's 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 a treasure in this business, bro. And you know what? That man belongs in the WWE. Oh no, kidding? Are you kidding me, bro? He he'll be in there one day. He will yeah. be. I guarantee, no doubt about it, bro. You think we'll get in there as journalists, Vince? No, you maybe me, absolutely not, bro. <laughs> Oh man, um, I do think they should should start a journalist wing, if if only for Bill Apter. Yeah, if absolutely. only for that guy. I agree, bro. I he will be in there. I guarantee you. Funny, funny story. Before we go, real quick, I used to I did my first podcast with him years ago, uh, and after they would go off, he would start to tell me stories. He's like, "Oh, you don't want to hear that." Bye. And I was like, <sighs> "What?" Yeah, I was like, exactly. "No, stop it. Come back." Yeah. That's yeah. how he is. He's like, "Yeah, you don't want to hear about this." And I was yeah. like. Are are you yeah, crazy? I, I, I'm the same way. To this day, I'm the same way, bro. It's him. just it's another day to him. Yep, yep. It is. And the, the WWE still loves Bill After. They still yeah. invite him to everything. Can you imagine that? Yeah. <laughs> that man's going to outlive me, I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Until next time, guys, join us this weekend. Check out all of our podcasts. Let people know about Fightful.com, please. Our success relies on you guys to a, to a very, very – extreme degree vince thank you so much my friend thank you sean enjoy it as always guys until next time we are out when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply